Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. And the Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 2 and verses 11 to 16. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law no one will be justified. Well, we continue our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus and today we're looking at Galatians chapter 2 and verses 11 to 16. Now I'm sure you've heard of the tale of two cities. And and this is kind of like the tale of two cities, Jerusalem and Antioch. Or to be even more precise, it's like the, the tale of two visits. So last time, you'll remember, uh, we looked at how Paul went from his, his home church in Antioch, which is in Syria, all the way down to Jerusalem to visit Peter and the other apostles there. And now in today's passage, Peter goes from Jerusalem all the way up to Antioch to visit Paul and the church in Antioch. But when Paul was in Jerusalem visiting Peter and all the apostles there, we told in verse 9 that Peter gave Paul the right hand of fellowship. That means they shook hands. That means they were in complete agreement. But when Paul goes to uh, sorry when Peter goes to visit Paul in Antioch we read in verse 11 when Cephas now that's Peter Cephas is Peter's Aramaic name uh, Peter is his Greek name both Cephas and Peter means rock. Okay so it's a bit confusing but it's it's talking about Peter. So when Peter came to Antioch I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He was in the wrong. Wow. (laughs) I mean, so when they're in Jerusalem, they're in complete agreement, they're shaking hands, but when they're in Antioch, Paul is opposing Peter to his face. Why? Why? What's all got to do with table fellowship? Who you eat with? Um, Now, for for us, table fellowship isn't a big deal. 
We, we will eat with anyone, especially if they pain, right? <laughs> but I can remember a, a couple of years ago, I was in South Africa, I was in Durban. I was there for a ski surfing competition, and I was staying at this hotel on the beachfront. And I can remember going down in the morning to go to breakfast. I've never experienced anything like this before. When I got there, they had literally divided the dining room into two sections. In the one section, it was for those who would only eat halal food for the Muslims. And in the other section, it was for the rest of us, it was like your, your traditional English breakfast and cereals. And there was this partition between the two sections so you couldn't see each other. Never experienced that before. I don't know if this was a normal practice at this hotel or if it was just a, a one-off because they had a very large Muslim uh, party staying there that maybe requested for this to happen. I don't know. But I never experienced anything like that in my life before. But imagine if that happened at church. Imagine if after the service, when we all go downstairs for some refreshments, we have different sections. We have one section for people who only eat halal food, another section for people who only eat kosher food, and then another section well, for the rest of us who will eat with anyone, but no one wants to eat with us. Wow, I mean, imagine that. And what about communion? What about the Lord's Supper? How would we do that? I mean, would we have to have two, maybe three communion tables at separate places? How would that work? And what does that say about the gospel? Well, it says not everyone is equal. That not everyone is equally acceptable to God. And that is exactly what was happening at Antioch. We read in verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he, that's Peter, he used to eat with the Gentiles. That's the non-Jews. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Okay, so Peter's gone all the way up to Antioch to visit Paul and the church in Antioch. Now, the church in Antioch has more non-Jewish believers than Jewish believers. And when Peter arrives there, he's happy to eat with everyone, including the non-Jewish believers. Now, that's quite something. That's a profound statement. Because in that culture... Eating with someone was a very powerful symbol of acceptance, that you accepted the other person as an equal. And so within that culture, Jews would never eat with non-Jews. They even had laws in in the Old Testament that would forbid Jews from eating non-kosher food as a way of ensuring that they would never eat with or associate with non-Jews. It was a way of keeping them separate. But Peter 
is happy to eat with everyone in the church, including the non-Jews. That is, until a bunch of guys, Jewish believers from Jerusalem, arrive. And they belong to a group called the Circumcision Group. Okay, it's not a great name. Um, if you're going to start a new group, I'm not recommending you call yourself the Circumcision No. But it is quite a good name for describing them. Who are they? Well, in Acts chapter 15 and verses 1 and 5 describes this group. It says in verse 1, certain people, that's the group, the circumcision group, came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And in verse 5, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, that's the same group, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So this was a pressure group within the church that believed in order to be saved, you needed faith in Jesus plus You had to become Jewish. You had to obey all the the laws of the Old Testament, especially the law about circumcision, hence the name, the circumcision group. So for this group, faith in Jesus was not enough to be saved. You had to add something. For them, it was all the laws of Moses. It wasn't a matter about what they were adding. It was that they were adding something. They were effectively saying faith in Jesus was not enough. You had to add something. And so for these guys, for these hardliners from Jerusalem, there was absolutely no way they were going to accept the Antioch practice of Jews and non-Jews eating together. No way. The law of Moses, the Old Testament law, would not allow it. And so when they arrived, Peter stopped eating with the non-Jews. Peter starts acting like a hypocrite. He puts on a mask of Jewish respectability, and so he separates himself and he withdraws from these non-Jewish believers. Why does he do that? Is it because he agrees with the circumcision group that that in order to be saved you need faith plus you need to obey the law of Moses? No. No, he knows that, that the only way you're saved is by faith in Jesus alone. So why does he do it? We, we're told in, in verse 12, it says, He was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. He was afraid about what they might think of him. It was peer pressure. He was giving in to peer pressure. How often do we not walk, we we don't walk in line with the gospel because of peer pressure? How often do we fail to do the right thing because we want to fit in? Because we want the approval of our peers? Are you 
more concerned about what your friends and peers think of you, or are you more concerned about what God thinks of you? Then we read in verse 13, The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. Peter's actions have a profound influence on other people. The other Jews, the other Jewish believers in Antioch, follow Peter's lead and they stop eating with the non-Jews. Even Barnabas, Paul's closest friend and colleague, stops eating with the non-Jews. You see, the way we treat other people will influence the way other people treat others. Now, a very interesting point, of course, is that the Pharisees, the, the, the Jewish religious leaders, constantly complained that Jesus was a friend with sinners, that he would eat with sinners. And it was the Pharisees who constantly separated themselves and withdrew from the sinners. Peter is acting more like a hypocritical Pharisee than he is like Jesus. Don't act like a Pharisee. We then read in verse 14, Paul says, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So the reason Paul is opposing Peter is because Peter is not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Peter's action... By not eating with the non-Jews, he was effectively saying that faith in Jesus is not enough. You also need to become Jewish. You also need to follow the Jewish customs. That's all of the laws of the Old Testament. And of course, that denied the very truth of the gospel. What is a bit encouraging is that even Peter, even one of the original apostles, makes mistakes. So what is the truth of the gospel? We read in verse 15 and 16. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now justified, justified means that you are declared to be right. It means that God accepts you. So what Paul is saying is we are not accepted by God because of the works of the law. We're not accepted by God because we obey the Jewish law. No. We're only accepted by God because of our faith in Jesus. So the gospel is simply faith in Jesus plus nothing equals favor with God. 
You see, we are all sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter if if you're a Jew or a non-Jew. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, how good you are or how bad you are. We're all sinners saved by grace. Now, Peter knows that. Peter knows the gospel. Peter knows that we, we all sin is saved by grace. Theologically, Peter and Paul are in complete agreement. The problem is not with what Peter believes. He believes the right stuff. The problem is he's not acting in line with his belief. He's not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. And see, what we discover is that it's, it's very easy to understand the gospel. It's very easy to believe in the gospel. But where the rubber hits the road is where we have to live out the gospel in a practical situation. When we come to realize that we are all sinners saved by grace, how dare we be proud? How, how dare we look down our noses at other people? How dare we think we're better than other people because of our race and our culture? How dare we? If we've been justified, if we have not been justified by the works of the law, if we have not been justified and accepted by God on the basis of our race and culture, but we've only been accepted by God on the basis of our faith in Jesus, then how dare we turn around and treat other people on the basis of their race and culture? How dare we? Or on the basis of anything else, like nationalism or classism or or anything else. Or to put it positively, when we come to, to really grasp and realize the gospel, where we suddenly find our identity and our self-worth and our acceptance of God in our relationship with Jesus, in our faith in Jesus. And this frees us from the need to be a racist because we no longer find our identity in our race. It also frees us from giving in to peer pressure because we no longer find our self-worth in the approval of other people, we find our self-worth only in our relationship with Jesus. And so through the gospel, it frees us from racism, nationalism, classism, the need for peer approval, and it enables us to treat all people equally. Now when... Paul realizes that Peter's not acting in line with the gospel. He opposes him to his face and he does it publicly in front of everyone. That seems a little harsh. He opposes him to his face and publicly. Why does he do that? Well, Peter's actions had caused a public scandal. The the other Jewish uh, believers were starting to follow Peter's lead and not eat with the non-Jewish believers. 
And how would the non-Jewish believers feel? They must have felt rejected. They might have, must have felt unworthy. They must have felt judged. They must have been wondering, are, are we truly saved? And so Paul has to deal with this publicly to make sure that all the other Jewish believers do not follow Peter's example. And he has to do it publicly to ensure that he can affirm and assure that these non-Jewish believers, that they are truly saved, that they are truly part of the family of God. Imagine for a moment, a new person walks into the church for the first time, but this person is from a different race or a different nationality or a different social class. They walk into the church and they sit down in a pew and someone looks at them and then lifts their nose. Another person looks at them and starts tutting. Others start whispering about the person. The person sitting in the pew slowly starts shifting away. How do you think that new person feels? Unwelcomed, judged, unworthy. Pastor Paul, in order to rectify the situation and ensure that it doesn't escalate out of control, walks down the aisle to the new person and says to the new person in front of all the tatty nose-lifting religious folk, I want you to know you're welcome here. God loves you. May I sit next to you? A public scandal needs to be opposed publicly. Now, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be peacemakers. We're not called to be confrontational. We're called to be peacemakers. And this is probably the reason why, why Peter has given in to peer pressure because the circumcision group has arrived and he knows that they're not going to accept this Antioch practice and they're going to make a big issue about it. And so just to keep the peace, for the sake of the peace, he's just going to conform with them. But there's one time when we have to be confrontational. There's one exception. And that one exception is when followers of Jesus are discriminating against other followers of Jesus. Or where followers of Jesus are discriminating against other people in general. That's the one time when we have to stand up for the oppressed. And we have to stand against those who are not walking in line with the truth of the gospel. That's the one exception. Walking in line with the gospel has some very profound social and practical implications on how we treat other people. When you put your faith in Jesus, you become one with Jesus. You become a child of God. 
Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3 in verses 26 to 28, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When you walk in line with the gospel, there are some profound social and practical implications on how we treat other people. There simply cannot be any discrimination within the church, within the family of God. Tony Campolo is a a sociologist in the United States of America. And he tells the story about a time when he was still in high school. And he says, he says, when I was still in high school, there was a, a guy there by the name of Roger. He was gay. And we knew it. We spread the word on him and we made his life miserable. Every time we walked past him in the corridor, we would call out his name in an infeminate manner. And we made him the brunt of a lot of cheap jokes. Every Friday after physical education class, we would all go into the shower. Roger would never go in with us. He was too afraid to, and for good reason. When we came out, we would take our wet towels and we would whip them at his little naked body. We thought it was a fun thing to do. And then Tony goes on to say that I wasn't there that day when they grabbed Roger, dragged him into the shower, shoved him in the corner, And as he was lying there on the floor in the fetal position, he cried as five guys urinated all over him. That night when he went home, he went to sleep at about 10 o'clock that evening. They say it must have been somewhere around 2 o'clock in the morning that he woke up. He got up and he walked down into the basement of his house and he hung himself. Tony then says, when I found out what happened, I realized I was not a Christian. Oh, I believed all the right stuff. I was theologically sound. I knew what to believe and I believed it intently, but I hadn't surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I hadn't allowed the Holy Spirit to come into my life and invade me and change me and transform me into the person that Jesus wanted me to be. Because if I had, I would have put my arm around Roger. I would have said, leave him alone. He's my friend. But I was too afraid too afraid to be his friend. I was too afraid to stand up for him. Because I knew if you stood up for a person like Roger, then people would start saying nasty things about you too. So I kept my distance. And I failed to be the loving person 
that Jesus had called me to be. Or to use the words of Paul. I failed to live in line with the truth of the gospel. Don't give in to peer pressure. And let's ensure that we always walk in line with the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. We know the gospel. We sing about the gospel. But Father, please forgive us. Please forgive us when we do not walk in line with it. Father, we, we know we don't have a problem understanding. It's easy to understand. Father, we confess our problem is to, to walk in that truth. Father, we are so quick to think we're better than others, to judge others, to look down on others. Father, please forgive us. And Father, please ensure that there is never any discrimination amongst us. And Father, we pray that when there is, when we are not walking in line with the gospel, Father, we pray for Paul's. We pray that you would bring Paul's into our life to challenge us. And Father, when, or we pray that when we're not walking, let us be our own Paul's. Let us constantly be challenging ourselves to ensure that we always are walking in line with the truth of the gospel. Father, help us to surrender to your Holy Spirit. And we pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come into us, that, your Holy, that we would surrender to it, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to invade us and transform us and ensure that we become more and more like Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.